Glory, glory, glory. <laughs> Welcome. Rock and roll Saturday. <laughs> That's how we roll on Shabbos. <laughs> Feeling like springtime today. Song of songs. Spring is in bloom. It's a good day for the kingdom people. The time has come to possess the kingdom. The word kingdom in Hebrew, Malkut, which means new earth. The new creature consumes the earth and produces Malkut, new earth. So that's what we're going to do the next thousand years. Let's write it in your day planner. Malkut, new earth, by my new creature. Amen. Feels like spring cleaning, doesn't it? The saints are mopping blood. Your sins are turning white as snow. Shabbat. We're doing shots of invisible realm bleach, launderer's soap, and seraphim fire. Cheers. And we'll do a shot for our brother Jake. Happy birthday, Jake. Happy Cheers. birthday, Jake. Launderer's soap and fire, seraphim shots all around. Bleaching you from the inside out. Worse than the Tide Pod Challenge glory. And please, any children <laughs> listening to this, please do not eat bleach and do not eat Tide Pods. There is a better Tide Pod Challenge for you in the heavenly. Bring the law on you tonight. That's right. <laughs> Thou shalt not drink deadly poisons like a fool. Thou <laughs> shalt not eat thy mother's Tide Pods. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I got new uh, laundry detergent today, too. Oh, yeah. That's another great verse from Malachi. Launderer's soap and refiner's fire. Cleaning everything inside and out. There's a lot that needs to be cleaned. The enemy has opposed the cleaning of the earth and has set himself up strategically in the places where the sons of God are manifesting. But we already know that. Oh, yes. So, a spring house cleaning tip. If you take your Mr. Clean Magic Eraser and you pray in tongues, <laughs> it helps scuff marks come out of the wall that otherwise will not come out. I have tested this. It's amazing. You're welcome. If you've got a troublesome spot, try praying in tongues while using the Magic Eraser. Mr. Magic clean spot. Magic Eraser. Oh, magic it's great. Arts. It was that one scuff that cleaning wouldn't come out of the glory. wall by the in the laundry area. It just... Bam, gone. Hallelujah. Praise Those God. magic erasers are like angel technology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Glory. Oh, amen. There's a reason why every hotel uses them. Mm. Thank you for the Mr. Clean magic eraser of the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in our spirit, in your spirit, scrubbing scrubby bubbles. Angels with bubbles. We have plenty of orbs, bubbles, in this place. Soap and bubbles, undeserved grace of the blood of Jesus. A spirit of grace to cleanse our souls, to circumcise little nice injections so you don't feel the discomfort so much. Just breathe in that heavenly atmosphere. 
We've got angelic sedatives for your angelic surgeries today to cut and remove that which does not belong, to clean out spring cleaning, taking out the trash. They're dusting, all, removing all the dust. And they're washing the scrubby bubbles, living bubbles, living creatures, scrubby bubbles in my soul. And your soul, through every layer, you just relax and let the guard down of the holy angels cleanse every little bit nice and fresh fresh scent maybe you like lemon scent we have amalfi perfumes bbluxuryperfumes.com <laughs> we have a beautiful presence of the lord through undeserved grace and we're going to come out so clean and so fresh like a perfect spring day in heaven on earth in your soul as it is in heaven the blood of Jesus is like bleach upon the whole earth. This really, I feel the Lord saying strongly today, it's a time of spring cleaning. Amen. April showers of the blood of Jesus like bleach raining down from the sky, Amen. from the new heavens, from the realms of the conquerors and overcomers that are taking the sapphire stones back into the high priesthood ephod. Overcomers, they all have ephods. I was reading the 12 Testament of the 12 Patriarchs, which was an ancient uh, Jewish writing. And did you know the Apostle Paul kept the book of the Patriarch of the 12 Patriarchs on him all the time during his apostolic ministry? That was the only scroll that Paul carried with him 24 7 in full time ministry, was the book of the 12 Patriarchs. I'd never heard of it until last year. I was going through that, and it's, I tell you something, understanding the words of Levi have changed my life. God took him into the seven heavens and began to train him in the priesthood, you know, long before Moses. And so it's a, it's a different perspective in many ways. It's a new covenant priesthood that you're learning in the book of the 12 patriarchs. So if you haven't seen that, check it out on YouTube. What's his name? Christopher Glenn mm -hmm. just recorded yeah. the Book of the Twelve Patriarchs on YouTube. Yep. They have a Book of the Twelve Patriarchs and then some of the, I believe, Adam and Eve books they uh, released recently. So those are fun if your Bible time is seeming like, you know, you're just going over and it's not feeling fresh. You know, get into, you know, Wisdom of the Old Testament, the Patriarchs, Jubilees. Jasher is great. We're in the tree of Yetzirah. So when you read that book, you can think of it as the book of Yetzirah for cosmic perspective. Jasher. Yeah, so good. Yeah. And Check you know, out. I mean, for instance, I was going through Revelation and I'd gone through Revelation so many hundreds of times, you guys, that it just didn't feel fresh and new. And then Rebecca suggested, let's check out the book of the 12 patriarchs. And then it's like, wham. wham. Like oh. the fresh daily bread. Oh, so piping hot, buttery. Mm. And oh, God said, there's always more. Oh. So if you're hungry, God will feed you more new things you have not known before. So a lot of these books are being revealed right now. And there's more than that as you just keep feasting. And it's so fun. And by the time we get back around to the book of Revelation, next time with all our new perspective, we'll be at a higher place on the tree of life. Everything, then when we go back to it, it's just going to be like, what? Oh, man. 
it's like that. So if whatever you're currently reading or studying, it's, it's okay. You know, there's a time just to force feed and be like, I don't care if it doesn't feel good to you. This is what we're doing anyway. I'm going to make you do it. That's what I do to myself sometimes. It's like, force feed until it dies. There's a place, you could, that's fine too. After about 15 minutes. But this is the fun and the fresh and the new. And it's so important to have fun. If you're not having fun, if it's always just death, death, kill the animal, you're not going to make it in the long run. Having fun is such an important part of heaven heaven on earth especially, refreshment, fun, uh, doing something that's going to refresh your soul, right? You're going to be refreshed along the way as you conquer. That's one of the promises of being a conqueror, becoming more than a conqueror, becoming an overcomer. So sometimes you just need to put down all the fastings and the the lashings, the 49, you know, plus one lashings you've been giving yourself. And just have Put a great down meal. the cat of nine tails and stop, stop. the flagellation. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just gotta say enough is enough and feast on something wonderful. Have a great meal with a friend or your family. Enjoy something fun and wholesome, right? You don't need to go into rebellion to seek for entertainment, but find those things that are gonna be wholesome, that build up your spirit, uh, that keep you in that standard of, of holiness, of righteousness on the narrow path, because as we've learned so far, and as we're learning, the enemy fun, supposed fun, it always turns into something horrible or devastating or disgusting, and it's not really fun. It's the illusion of fun. So find those things that are truly fun and be refreshed along the way so that it's not just, now I'm having fun, now I'm being spiritual. You want your spiritual life to be all-encompassing. All that you are, all your thoughts, day and night, everything you're doing, you're doing together with your Heavenly Father, with Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit within you, with the body of Christ as one, and stay connected to the kingdom. Amen. So there's an increasing and a decreasing in growth. As your spirit increases, the carnal appetites and the impulses of the flesh decrease. Ascending and descending, it's like plowing and sowing. you got to have both. A lot of times, though, there's not enough descending and there's not enough plowing and we're just always intaking and sowing and encouraging. There needs to be a discouragement mm-hmm. towards the flesh. Yes. There needs to be, like uh, Apostle Paul says, a buffeting, and it actually says mortifying right. and a crucifying. It says deadening and killing of the impulses of the flesh. And a lot of times we just lean towards the, the warm, cushy, soft stuff, but then you get into the severity. You have to hold on to the kindness. So there's always a balance of increase and decrease. Mm-hmm. Oh, kingship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kingship. Uh, what Brandon was talking about was how many times king was written in the Bible. And Over 5,500 times. And exactly what he was talking about. You can't... <laughs> have that perfect balance of Hesed and Gevra, right? The yeah. loving kindness and judgment. Who balances them perfectly? The king represented in Tiferet, the sun. So every time you're reading a king or that balance, a perfect king, which is Jesus Christ, has perfect balance between loving kindness and judgment. And so going into the sun and learning 
his ways, to know him better, to become more like him, we start to learn where is the balance between embracing his judgments and severity and, you know, not going too far to the left, not going too far to the right, not going overboard. Now I'm in my self-effort, self-flagellation, you, you know, religious demons, and not, oh, well, I'm just going to take it easy and just kind of fluffy, fluffy, not deal with any of my problems, but just, just that truth, that balance, that perfection of Christ, his ways, his razor-sharp word that divides even between spirit and soul, bone and marrow in the sun, which represents Jacob, but also represents kingship, the king. Yeah, the loving kindness of Abraham, like the right side, and the severity and the judgment of the left side, and the center is like the menorah, and it balances the left and the right. So you have the kingdom of heaven desiring to manifest through your bodies as temples. We've had a little understanding of earthly temples. Now we're going to have understanding of heavenly celestial temples, which is the full manifestation of your sonship in Christ. The spirit of adoption is to raise you up as sons of God. And God was speaking to me today about translation out of the present darkness, which is animal brain, into glory light, which is in your heart, spirit or angel. So, the translation, the resurrection, it says it in Luke 20, also Jesus Christ, in the red letter says, the children of the resurrection be angel-like. So every time you read the Bible, it talks about rising, ascension, or resurrection, it's going from animal to angel 100% of the time, and that's how you get all the overcomer's gifts of Revelation 2 and 3. It's all through ascension, biblically, of the way to the Father, which is Jesus Christ. And we look at Jesus Christ in his maturity, and we want to skip to that level. You'll have Jesus Christ at one, two, three, all the way through his ages, through his rings, through his development, through his growing in favor, through his growing in wisdom. The way of the Lord is the life of the Lord. The Bible says that our life is no longer lived, which means the human life is laid down, crucified. The life we now live is the life of Jesus Christ, it is written. We often think of that as the life of Jesus Christ in his resurrection form at age 33 at the right hand of God, but that's not true. You don't skip directly into the maturity of Jesus at, at 33. You go through the development of age 1, age 3. And this is why so few get it, because it requires the humility in the animal to go into the childhood of Jesus, often in your 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. You could be 70 in the animal, but you could be two or three in Jesus. So the most important thing in your life is the development of the ages of Jesus Christ. And you'll know yourself according to your faith. It says, judge yourself to see if you're in the faith. You're seeing the measure of faith. There's a measurement in the Bible of little faith, great faith, such great faith we have not found in all Israel. It's seeing how much of Him is in your spirit. That's why you confess with your heart, Jesus says, Lord. You can measure the amount of God in every believer. 
and it's different in every measurement. And the angels do the measuring, we don't, mm -hmm. and they'll tell you the truth, and it'll often be a great correction and a chastisement and a rebuke mm -hmm. out of love because we need it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> every time more of God's formed in you, you're encouraged by God Himself being produced in you. So all ministry, all Christian activity is to produce the fruit of the seed of the Word of God. God's fruit is God's manifest presence. His person Himself comes forth through seed time and harvest. You become farmers plowing your hearts, making room for the Word of God. The irritating Word later on turns into the intoxicating Word. What was at, f at first rejected by the young believer through life and the wilderness, which is tasting your own sins and dealing with your own junk, you make room for an opportunity to receive things from God that you previously could not. So you do get thirstier. What is the wilderness? They thirsted for water, and the waters in the wilderness were bitter waters until Moses threw wood into the water, and they drank it, and the waters became sweet. This represents the cross changing the spirit, for the waters represent your spirit. And it's through Christ crucified that your spirit, man, grows in divinity. So the cross, which is He, must increase, and your own spirit, which is your earthly life, must decrease. And you be gradually engrafted. If you understand how things are engrafted, the Bible says you're engrafted into the tree of life. Tree of life is not only on earth. It's mostly in heaven. The expression of the tree of life is perfectly expressed only in the third heaven in the Garden of Eden. Your job on earth is to be engrafted out of your human life into his divine life to be that expression. Anything earthly, unspiritual, anything human at all has yet to be engrafted into the expression of the perfect third heaven Garden of Eden. Those are the areas he's working on in you. And you'll let him through humility. That's why it's written, the meek inherit the earth. Well, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Malkut, the new earth, belongs to one man, Jesus. He shares it only with those who get engrafted into him. Oftentimes we think the body of Christ is the theological concept in our brain. That's darkness. It needs to be an experience inside your heart with your spirit through the Holy Spirit. Until your spirit is discipled by the Holy Spirit, we're doers of our own thing. All our Christianity is in our head, and it's not really working. It's not a faith that works. Once the seed falls into the ground of the soil of the heart and dies, then it bears forth fruit. What fruit? Jesus himself. The fruit of heaven is God himself. Everything in heaven is in God and is God. Now, we've been separated through from God through sins. Now we say, oh, well, I'm not separated anymore. Parts of you absolutely are. If anyone says they're not separated, they make God to be a liar. Sin. 
First John, it is written. I think that was in the Patriarchs we watched last night too, so that's why that was really good. We got a lot of charismatic goofballs into hypergrace that say I'm perfect when they're a total reprobate mess, and the only perfect thing of them they're not even aware of because they're not even God inside minded and they're filled with sorcery and witchcraft. Mm -hmm. You've never had more doctrines of demons than right now on this planet. It's so bad out there that even the ones that used to be into sound doctrine and teaching really mm -hmm. accurate are completely apostate. It's pretty sad. Who is? Who did you say carried the twelve patriarch scroll with him? All Apostle time? Paul. Okay, which okay, that's what I thought I was hearing. Uh, Apostle Paul is who a lot of these apostate teachers quote. But if you go into what Apostle Paul had on his person, that scroll, twelve patriarchs, and you go and watch it tonight or start watching it tonight, it is so clear about the, how the sin separates. And people might say, oh, well, that's that's back then, that's before. No, like Brandon was saying, if you go in, you look at it, it talks about the future and how Jesus saves the priesthood. But it, it's like, it's the cosmic hmm. gospel. And there is that separation. He made a way for there to be sanctification. Now, if you go and see those, those verses that they always use, I was looking at them earlier today, where they say, you know, the ones that they quote, you know, that you're already holy. I looked at in the Greek, and it was a, it had to do with the process of sanctification. Uh, we might do a study on that sometime, but it's really interesting. If you, you know, look on BibleHub.com, and you click on Greek, look at the Greek or look at the Hebrew on a verse, go and look up those verses on holiness, and all those verses that people use to try and say, oh no, you're already as holy as you're going to be. You don't need to be made holy. You don't need sanctification. That's not true. If you look in the Greek, it talks about the process of sanctification and other scriptures in which that word exactly was used, and it has to do with being made holy. So there, there, it also recognizes that there's a certain level of sanctification you get at salvation, and then there's progressive sanctification. So that's it, a good study. You know, check it out, but we want to be accurate. It's an entire real. rejection of the priesthood. Mm -hmm. Because the priest's job is to kill the animal. Mm -hmm. Revelation, written in the 90s AD, right? It says that the whole mark of the animal, or the sinful nature, mm -hmm. is in the forehead and in the hands. I tell you the truth... The reason why this hypergrace stuff is so insane out here, it's an absolute rejection of the new covenant priesthood of killing the animal in the forehead and the hand. And until we become priests and learn how to effectively kill the human animal with the fire of life of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be total infants of Christ, really full of crap. And the teachings will just be full of crap. They won't produce heaven. There's no ascension. There's no resurrection. You won't have dominion over the earth. You won't possess the kingdom, Malkut, new earth. It'll be a response to what the evil one's doing through wickedness in the earth so that Christians are fighting a ground warfare. And that's what most of them are doing in politics right now. Our job is to ascend, establish cosmic Israel, clearly written in Revelation, second heavens Israel they shall rule with me for a thousand years over the earth Revelation 5.10 that's what the Bible says those that ascend get the overcoming gifts that's what empowers all the believers that are not willing to go higher down on the earth so instead of the young believers down here empowered by principalities the young believers are to be empowered by the heavenly Sanhedrin which 
Honestly, we have a third heaven Sanhedrin. That's cloud of witnesses. That's different. That's different. God the Father's top priority is establishing second heaven's heavenly Sanhedrin of the mature manifesting sons of God because that influences with holy light all the younger believers down below with cosmic power and ability while they're yet infants in Christ. That's how Samuel could influence David. David's a boy, okay? Never fought a battle, doesn't even put armor on, takes a slingshot to battle. What did he have? Samuel, judge and father, and all of his anointing from the horn of oil poured on his head. That represents those that are in the celestial pouring out those that are in the terrestrial, and the terrestrial young ones in Christ can do the works of their fathers and mothers, which is absolute maturity, written in Scripture, from the heavenly realms. Mm -hmm. That's the chosen and anointed of the Father, uh, anointing Samuel they called Father. And he represents, like Brandon said, the maturity, the seer prophet. He He represents the Father's ministry, the Father's prophetic, and that anointing, that is the anointing of the called and the chosen of the Father in the fivefold. But I want to look at this uh, verse here in First Peter, uh, chapter one, uh, in thirteen through sixteen, just to kind of clear up about the being made holy. Uh, when a, when an apostle gives a command to the people, that means it, it's an instruction. It, it's it's not something that has already happened. If there's any kind of warning or command about it, it means that there's a potential for them to not fulfill that. So let's take a look. 1 Peter 1, uh, verse 13. Uh, This is just in the King James on this uh, app that I like to use that has the background. But you can use whatever Bible you like. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. And we find that on the cosmic journey. You have to gird up the loins of your mind. There's some... (laughs) girding. <laughs> These are mind-bending realms and that will absolutely push you to your limit and you come to the end of yourself and you rely on Christ. So gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Right, That grace is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy so be ye holy in all manner of conversation because it is written be ye holy for I am holy so he's instructing them to be holy in their conversation in their mind uh, in to not go back in ignorance right so there's that potential of ignorance to go back to former ways to be deceived if that was not an issue he wouldn't have written this So understanding, just using the most basic common sense logic, even at the shallowest level of human consciousness, it's really obvious that it's an instruction and there's a sanctification of holiness. Holiness is the best thing. It's true light. Okay? It says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Holiness is the radiance of the brightness of God. And the beauty of holiness is the Father himself, as your heart and mind have Jesus Christ formed through your spirit, you share in his holiness. You don't have a holiness of your own. New covenant is. You get Jesus' holiness by being engrafted into Jesus. 
doesn't get any holier than Christ. Issue is, a lot of our stuff is just external stuff put on our individual personalities. What about the personality of Jesus? What about the mannerisms, ways of Jesus, the emotions and feelings, and the soul of Jesus? The most important thing for the bride is to know the soul of Jesus. When we're infants, we want to know our own soul. Where is my husband to bless my soul? That ain't the covenant. The covenant is you learning the soul of the King, Jesus Christ, your God, and then serving it and letting it change your soul. As it's written, woman, forget your father's house, which means everything you had previously to marrying God the King, king has to be forgotten in your heart, in your mind, in your bones, in your marrow, in your culture, in your timeline. All of it needs to be anathema. That's when you go from, Lord, bless my soul, to <laughs> bless the Lord, oh my soul. <laughs> It's a night and day difference, so it really is the maturity of coming out of self-consciousness. The horror of Babylon is self-Christianity. Self-Christianity is the most craziest thing out here. That's usually what you get in every church in America. And you just go in there and you say, what can this church do to serve me? Well, hopefully they burn you up in your selfishness because you're anti-Christ. And they offer you as a burnt animal offering on the altar of fire. So that you get into, instead of self, Jesus. Self is getting into principalities. You can't get more into the devil than getting into self or self-Christianity after being born again. It's called twice dead. Where Christianity be all about self-servient. What can God do for me? What can the minister do for me? What can the pastor and the fivefold do for me? They're not called to serve you. They're called to produce Jesus in you and to get rid of you. A good teacher will teach the word so that you go to zero and God goes to a hundred inside those bodies your spirit's wearing right now. Then you can see the glory. Then the holiness of Jesus becomes the promised land of the renewed mind. Until then, we have a delusion of what success is and what Christianity is. Disciples of the kingdom live for the king of the kingdom to serve him because we've learned through our own rebellion that serving self and self-interest doesn't do anything to increase light in one's heart. It's pointless. It's what? Vanity. What's vanity? Self-focus. What is vanity? Having a Christianity for your own soul. Chasing after the wind. It's chasing after your own light. That's what devils do. Devils are vain. Are vain. Devils are idolatrous. Devils, all they do is waste your time. When you go after Jesus and serve Jesus, there's no vanity in Christ. Why? Because all the vainglory of self-glory and self-servience and self-consciousness, self-promotion, self-justification, and all the attributes of the Antichrist and the bride of the Antichrist which is in the self and soul nature, it becomes revealed in your mind through revelation. It's about serving Jesus. Then the light of God increases within you, as the Bible says. Then the bright morning star can rise in your heart through obedience to the prophetic commandment. 
Then the voice on the mountain can speak to you. This is my son. What did it say to the souls there? Obey him. Listen to him. Obedience and listening to Jesus is how you get into Christ and how you get adopted by his father. And he ain't going to go around Jesus to deal with you. You go into Jesus and Jesus, well, he is the cross. I saw the lamb that was slain. Which means every step of the way as the soul diminishes, Jesus increases. And there's always a diminishing. Witchcraft is trying to get more of Jesus without your soul's diminishing. Trying to remain, putting down your cross. The Bible says you're no longer following God if you remain and don't diminish. God only intensifies His presence, His holiness, His power, His glory, His name, His nature, His word, His kingdom, His angel power through those who diminish in their soul life. See, the cross is the size that you've diminished. Those that are crucified with Christ, it can be measured. What we want for your success is to be a greater bride of Christ, which means more diminished in your soul, less conscious of yourself, a Christianity that's all about the light of our God, where you can't think a thought about yourself, you're only thinking about Jesus that you're serving inside your soul. That's what the priesthood is. So you see all the things that have to die inside the seven interior castles of your souls inside those bodies in order to have zero self-consciousness. Now the seven blazing torches become Mm -hmm. the conscious, (laughs) the awareness, the mind of Christ. But it's a choice. And it's a daily choice. It's a daily discipleship. And it doesn't need to take 40 years. It just takes someone willing to surrender all. Which if you look around and you see where people are at, it's extremely rare, especially when the enemy's out here in an Amazon Prime society, handing all these fast food things and instant gratification, microwave, hyper grace, false love, every temptation. What is the pinnacle of the evil one? the pinnacle of temptation for wrongdoing. Most of it doesn't look so severe, but the things that we like are the things God hates, it is written. Oftentimes, the very things watering us down in this Laodicean seventh church of the earth, which we're coming out of. Listen, there's only two churches down here right now in America. Okay? You are in the age of the transition of the seventh church of Revelation 3, which is Laodicea, which is those that are watered down through external temptations and then self-justified and calling those ascending fanatics and heretics, as basically they come up with all kinds of accusations all the time to try to shut us down, burn us up, condemn us, and not apply the standard we walk in to their own lives. But... Those that heed the call and the commandment of ascension of Revelation 4.1. Those in the seventh church. Come up here. Right from the seven sandcastles to the seven heavens. And then they get the seven stars in your right hand, which is the ability of all with the menorah of the seven spirits of God in the second heavens. So we've had the charismatic gifts of the seven spirits of God on the earth. 
We think that's revival. That's backslidden compared to second heavens. The overcomers looked down and the earthly charismatic church, Jesus Christ said, you can be in full operation of all the charismatic giftings and be going to hell. That's what Jesus Christ said in the red letters. You could be the perfect charismatic Christian and be hell bound. That's what Jesus Christ said. Depart from me, worker of iniquity. I didn't know you. They said, but we did signs, miracles, wonders, healings. We raised the dead. We had the most fiery revival meetings. It's not about that. It's about ascending to be with the master. We have turned it into doing junk in the earth. Like, I have the best sandcastle. Look at all the toys in my sandcastle. That's not even what Christianity is about. Christianity is about the resurrection to living His life. The life of Jesus is the resurrection. So your success is not in your works, but in your elevation that you've risen in the rings of the ages of Jesus, the tree of life. How high is your inner man in Christ? And we want to say, well, look at the stuff I'm doing. Jesus said, that didn't even matter. You realize that? That's scripture. Jesus told them what you did that you thought was Christian activity meant zero before his throne. Nothing. He said, all of that was strange fire, dead works, your idea of Christianity, and it's all going to burn. And because you got into works instead of ascension, you're not even going to heaven. That's what Jesus said in the Bible. Because you made it about works, charismatic Christian works, and not ascension, you are not going to heaven. That's what he said. That's the truth of what is going to come upon this generation. That's why... It is so critical we study the scriptures. Jesus said these things. It's not just the crazy prophets talking about it, making it up, pulling it out of their hat. It's the word of God. It's commanded that you rise. And when we rise, we know the standards raised against works. People can perform works out here. It impressed 99% of you. You think God's with that ministry because of signs, wonders, miracles, and works? You need to look at the fruit of the elevation of the tree of life. Jesus said it was about the tree and the vegetation. We're looking at works and what are they doing for the poor? What are they doing and all these different things that we can show in videos and impress people? How do their services look? What's the quality of the sermon? Do they have child care so we can just put the kids over there and they can just... Well, and Jesus they have said Starbucks? you know them by the fruit. How good is the coffee they make? Do they have child care? And is it the kind of worship music that I like? I want you to look at where fruit is on fruit trees. Notice you have to go up the trunk into the branches, which means in order to have great fruit... <clears throat> It requires an ascension of the tree of life. How often is there fruit on the ground? That's where it's rotten. Earthly fruit is rotten fruit. The fresh fruit comes from the branches, which is high up the tree. The branches will often come out of the top of the trunk of the tree and sprout into the air, and the best fruit will be out there plucked from the branches. So Jesus said, you know them by the fruit. you got to understand where the fruit is. It's higher. It, the fruit represents the glory that was only in the high place of the mountain. Down the mountain, which is, there was no fruit. 
It was just like going to the trunk. It was like eating bark, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there, there's no fruit down in those elevations. <laughs> the fruit is in the branches represented in the glory mm-hmm. on the top of the mountain. This is where you start to bear fruit. This is when you start to understand what Christianity is about. The fruit is the nature of Jesus getting through your soul as you've risen through him by denying yourself and following up the tree, which is up the mountain. The mountain is also a tree. The tree of life is the mountain of Calvary. The cross is tree. Song of Solomon says this is the wood that never decays. It represents Jesus. Jesus is the way to the Father, and the way to the Father is through being a tree, bearing fruit, learning how to garden, and ascend, and then you get all the parables and understandings and wisdoms and descriptions of mountain and all these other things that are written in the Word. It's all about elevations and producing divine natures, and there are many characteristics in our God. It's not just holiness, there's righteousness, there's wisdom, there's patience. As children mature, you must be patient lest you get rash like Moses. Moses sinned when he got rash with the Israelites. Notice it was held against him even though God wanted to terminate Israel. Why? Because if you're not representing Jesus' nature, the Father's nature, the Holy Spirit's nature, and you get into some kind of attribute that's not him, you're no longer in the fruit of the tree of life. The sin and the punishment was going into the hatred of the enemy, going into the demonic and dealing with them demonically. And that's the temptation when you deal with people that have bad fruit. It's like Right. That's a temptation, especially like Brandon said, when you go up and you start to go through your sanctification cosmically, there's always a temptation to get angry, right? Mm. It's, it's because it's infuriating. It's like everything's disgusting. This is horrible. You know, you, your eyes, you get a lot of times we see the ugly stuff in us and the ugly stuff in others right before Christ is unveiled in that revelation to us. And that's the, you know, the grace. That's the sanctification that's made known to us. So a lot of times the first thing we see is like, oh, God, it's, you know, it's horrible. It just piss me off. I just get the, 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 the wrathfulness to start to accumulate. And so we have to understand that in those layers of your soul, the nefesh, the ruah, and then that third one, the neshama, that neshama, that place, that third layer, that's the place where it's supposed to be like your God-given gift of holiness in your soul. Now, I, I just learned this recently. This is something that was known among, you know, Jewish sages or people, you know, the tradition they passed down from Moses, that if you get into that rashness and that anger, if you don't repent of it, if it's something that consumes you, it actually uproots that part of your soul. And instead of that holiness being there, it's literally, they call it an alien God uh, from the other side. So the idolatry, they call it idolatry, is caused by your anger. And so that's what I constantly, if I feel just really angry or really pissed off because, you know, maybe like things aren't going as, you know, the way I want it to, or it's just like, you know, you get frustrated sometimes if you see the problem. Well, just take a look at Jesus as holding the solution, right? Because if it rests on the people, or if it rests on you, it's too much. It's just, oh, just burn it all. It's just disgusting. I hate everything. Ministries, you know, <laughs> burn it all to the ground, burn it to ash. Let's just, you know, 
Noah this Noah this crap and peace out, you know. Mm. But uh, and, and it's funny saying it like that. But as you go up, you'll experience that for yourself. You'll start to be disgusted with your old life, and you'll start to be disgusted with the lives of others. And it's like, oh, is that so mean? Go up and check it out. You'll experience that feeling. So what do you do? This is how you can just, you know, being realistic. Anytime you start to feel that, just remember that that layer of your, the gift of holiness in your soul that God imparts, it's not uprooting. It's not worth uprooting the holiness that God has imparted to you. And trade for some alien God. Now you're into alien worship for real. Like, it's not worth it. Yeah. So just don't go in there. Bitter, mm-hmm. nasty, angry, the cross. hatred, demon ministries. Right. <laughs> so the cross in the water is like Brandon said, make it sweet. So you have that patience and that and that love that covers a multitude of sins. Because there are some sins, it's written in the New Testament, that don't lead to death. There are some that do lead to death. So that's when you need to be walking in wisdom. When is it time to confront or pray in, in secret? Or, you know, just decree from your own room, from your own house, over the people, over your own life, over your family's lives. And when is it time to, you know, intervene? Or it takes wisdom. You need to know what the Father is saying. And know what battle you're fighting, on whose behalf you're fighting, and what your source of power is, which is Christ within you, the undeserved grace. And then remember how patient God has been with you. How patient has God been with you? Think about the worst you've ever been like oh i don't even want to think about it i've been so bad (laughs) look how patient he was he was so patient i mean if you could stand by past self you that's dead now and be in the same room you couldn't put up with them you'd be so mad now think about the loving kindness the tender affection god has had for you he drew you out he gave you only just what you could handle at that moment He didn't expect you to do anything that was too much that you could handle. And so little by little, he expects more of you, more sanctification. So understand where some people are coming from out of gross darkness, and maybe you're like us, and you've come out of gross darkness. Remember the patience God had with you. And so if you sow in mercy, you'll reap in mercy because chances are, and this is true, I believe for all of us, there are still aspects that we can't see that in five, ten years from now, you'll just be cringe. Oh, God, I can't believe I was like that. It was, oh, how could I not see it? <clears throat> so keep sowing mercy. Keep sowing patience. Because if you sow that patience into others now, you'll be reaping that mercy, that patience from God and from the pe- people, people that God brings into your life in the future as you mature. So just remember... This is who I want to be. I want to be Christ-like. I want to be on my cross. And we want to have wisdom, right, to know when it's time to intervene. Like sometimes a family member might just need an intervention and to be confronted with the sin. And it just needs to put put a stop to immediately. So consult in prayer before you act on those kinds of things. And just get wisdom. And you'll learn as you grow. But let's have mercy. Mercy and love that triumphs over judgment. There's an understanding of the human nature. It's written in Romans chapter 2 that, Oh, you foolish men, why do you condemn another's what you yourselves practice? The human nature is hypocrite. Right. The only nature 
that's not is the Christ nature. So if the human nature is in judgment for others, that same sin is inside their soul 100% of the time. So practically, this means that when you're frustrated with others, offended by others, angry, upset with others, it's because there's something in them that's 100% of the time also in you. Now, if you give it to Jesus through that revealing, because what does the Holy Spirit do? Sent forth to reveal sin, righteousness, and judgment. So it's the Holy Spirit revealing your sin. That's his job, the Bible said. Jesus Christ said that. The Holy Spirit we sent forth to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. So all of the sins come to the surface as you grow in righteousness through judgment of sin. Now, Jesus will be at peace around the midst of sinners. He's the Prince of Peace. So it's not even so dependent on others. It's dependent on you overcoming the stuff in you. So if you get into wisdom, you will use every opportunity of external irritation for an internal sanctification for more of the Prince of Peace so that nothing can control you externally. That's a wise man. Instead of bringing out the human nature from their heart through externalism controlled by circumstances and situations a wise man brings out of the treasures of their heart the wisdom stored up in their spiritual treasure house which is Jesus Christ's attributes through the termination of the animal so all that's going to come out no matter where they are is God just like you see the martyrs uh, what is the guy's name Polycarp mm. which was the son of Apostle John when he was martyred, they stabbed him with a spear in his belly and a dove of God physically flew out of his speared side. That's what was in it. Because there was nothing else in him except the Holy Ghost. So when you're surrounded by lions, all they're going to get is the Lion of Judah. They're going to get the Prince of Peace. They're going to get God. So circumstances and situations, the Bible says, I have formed you in the furnace of affliction and the false church says no affection oh. affection no really affliction that's what the bible says affliction it's through the earth realm called the wilderness that the internal realm of jesus inside our hearts rises to the occasion but if you're not a conqueror and you're not brave and you're not courageous you don't allow jesus to conquer nothing and you submit to external situations and circumstances and they prostrate you which means you bow down to alien gods instead of being conquerors and overcomers of the demon gods listen it's only one or the other for all that are born again and we're not talking about the loss we're talking about the response to the increase of jesus after you know that he's god most christians fail after they're born again we want you to be successful, and being successful after believing in Jesus requires your transformation and your metamorphosis, which means the DNA ain't the same. That's so good. You will not be a human being after Jesus is done with you. You'll be a living being, an ever-living Ruach infused in your soul. So which means every area of your mind, will, and emotions will be possessed and controlled by the Father. And oftentimes we like the scapegoat approach. We're just like, make it easy for me. Help. You know what they always say? These ones that don't sacrifice or do anything. Help, God. It's so hard. No, he's given you the spirit, the blood, the word, the angels. 
you have to use these tools. You're the priest. You're learning the priesthood. The Holy Ghost isn't going to come in there. Well, often we would say that we just resist the Holy Spirit. He deals with the personality. He gets personal with you inside your spirit, inside your heart, inside your feelings and emotions, and changes you from the inside out. So he'll deal with it one stone at a time oftentimes. I have noticed that the immaturity just wants to... Oh, I yield all. I yield everything. I'm just, just totally like surrendered. You're a total liar. I did it. <laughs> it's one little area at a time turning rocks over in your heart ministries. Then right, then they're like, oh, I already did it. Must be God's fault. You yeah, know? God didn't do it for me. I tried to give up. Man, I tell you what, you stay on the threshing floor 20 years if you have to. Paul, in the Bible, was on the threshing floor. He tells you 17 years. Most of you get off the threshing floor the same day. You're not going to have the divine nature formed in you if you don't stay on the threshing floor. You know, Ruth only married Boaz, which is the bride or the human marrying the divine, through the threshing floor. You will not have a relationship with God until your humanity is threshed out of your spirit, soul, mind, and bone marrow. Just forget about it because you're clinging to your humanity. You're married to a different entity. You're married to an alien God. God's challenging you to marry him, but it requires preparation. Esther's six months and spices and oils and baths. It means that you have to change the fragrance, cleanse, wash, already washed. The Bible says six months of washing which means a complete and total terminating of every single thing you've ever done previously because now you're in the palace and now you're going to be presented for the king and don't think for a second that Jesus Christ does not even have a higher standard than Esther and the king. I mean, some of us are washed. I'll tell you what, I was in the river of life being discipled by Elijah in the drunken glory getting washed to the point of whiting out. Whiting out in my mind for a decade. For 10 years, almost every day, in Esther's living waters, preparing my soul to go into greater holiness. This is the main thing. We need to learn how to stay washed in the river and let it cleanse us. This is the power of the blood like bleach. And it's not just when it's convenient to you. It's staying in the blood and in the bleach all the time. So your mind's bleached. Not just yesterday. Today I'm getting bleached. My eyes are getting bleached. My senses, my reasoning, my thought life, everything about the animal has to be constantly washed and bleached. And this is how you disciple the soul and the flesh to constantly (laughs) yield to the spirit. And only through that, which is called becoming disciples of Jesus Christ, will you ever know the mountaintop where it's all just the total white out of the bleach of God the Father. Bleach! Amen. I will bleach until I become bleach itself. Somebody can write that down. Now it's written. I will bleach until I become bleach And what are those bleached garments? It's the (laughs) garments of a bride. The wedding garments. How do you get wedding garments? Well, I just prayed something, believed a prophetic promise, read something on Elijah list, and, you know, it is a constant washing inside and outside that gets wedding garments. I tell you the truth, there's nothing more expensive 
than the wedding dress of the bride of Jesus Christ because it costs her the continuous washing away of every drop of 6,000 years of human history. Look at the garment. Is there a spot or wrinkle on the garment? Disqualified according to Revelation. A bride without spot or wrinkle. You know what that means? No human nature in spirit, soul, mind, personality, culture, or anything. Entirely holy angel. That's exactly what it means. You can't tell this person apart from the culture of Gabriel, Uriel, Michael, and Raphael. They're with the archangels all the time, you know. You will have to be in the exact likeness of Enoch in order to become the biblical Book of Revelation Bride of Christ. Mm. It's worth it for a really nice dress. Think about it that way. It's a small price. Just you do this. Look what a great outfit you're going to have. It's going to be so pretty and sparkly. You'll literally feel like Cinderella. He's taking you from rags to riches. You're marrying a rich guy. You're marrying Christ. Christ is the richest man, as a nice word for the ladies. So, if what was the thing about Cinderella? No matter how much she was abused or mistreated and overworked, and constantly they tore her garments, right? Like Joseph's garment was torn from him. Just totally heartbroken in her whole life situation, feeling separated from her dad, stuck with whatever you want to call that situation. But she never got bitter. She always stayed sweet. She cleaned she, with happiness. Yeah, she had an internal joy. She whistled joy. while she worked. Yeah, we're going to practice our whistles. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying to you, I can feel the reaction of some people who are saying, that's hard and impossible. All at once, yes. Absolutely. Mm. But daily, doing the washing daily, mm. I mean, that's what you're called to do as a Christian. One step at a time. One day at a time. Is as much, much washing as you can. And the Bible says, and folding and putting away old garments. So the water of the word is changing your hearts. And out of your heart, your mouth speaks, which means it'll renew your minds as you're doing the eternal laundry. Yeah, and if you could see how nice the new garments look, you might have an idea or a vision, or maybe you've seen it, or maybe you haven't, and you just hear about it. Um, this is a nice example, just to kind of tell you, because the invisible realm we've established is a physical realm. It's invisible, physical realm. Now, shortly before Brandon and I were getting ready to announce our marriage, I got taken up into heaven and Jesus was leading me through the stars. And I had on, I was getting to wear again my wedding, my cosmic wedding dress. It was so beautiful. I'm like, girls, if you guys see a dress like this, like there's a dress like this for you in the heavens, like the potential, it's so sparkly. And it, it, it totally satisfies that I want a sparkly, pretty Cinderella dress. It was so beautiful. It was made of invisible light. But it, I couldn't tell the difference almost between the stars and my dress. And I remember turning around as we're going up the staircase in the heavens. And Jesus was leading me by the hand up through the door. I turned, I turned and looked at the train of my dress. It was so pretty and sparkly, silver and invisible light, and just beautiful. It looked like it was full of stars. And I took my train, and of course, you know, I shook it, you know, like, woo! <laughs> and it was sparkly. Like, it was alive, it was made of stars, and it matched the perfect starry background. I felt so beautiful like a princess. I was like, this is, and I remember thinking, 
this is my dress? It's part of a big part of spring cleaning. Oh. This is what the Spirit of God is saying. There, we've been married in the earthly, even in earthly Christianity, mostly unknowingly, to the highest level demonic, which is that charismatic, Jezebelic, false prophet, the stuff that looks like God, but it's actually sorcery, angels of light. And there's been a ton of that in the Pentecostal charismatic church. And that'll be revealed, and that'll be judged and cleansed. But you're dealing with Christians in Revelation 18.23 that are married to the old ways of the old earth, the old Adamic. And we've put the New Testament on the old Adamic. And so that's a wedding. So there is a wedding vow for the false bride. It's married to the external. Married to external Jesus instead of Christ in you. A.K.A. Satan. Yep. False Jesus, Lucifer. <laughs> and I think you'd be shocked how many Christians are married to Lucifer because it's it's real. Yeah, Bob Jones, when he went to a <laughs> huge, like there was a big, uh, well, I don't know which church he was speaking at, but it was a big thing. And he said, about 25% of you are saved. And he said the other percentage of them, he said, y'all are playing games, playing games with God. Bob Jones told churches 75% of them married to the devil. Mm -hmm. And these were the people open to the prophetic. Right. It's recorded on YouTube if you need to see other people rebuking the crap out of people married to Satan and mm -hmm. thinking they're Christians. Right. It's a lot more common than you think. Yep. And Apostle John gets into it in Revelation 18, 19, and 21. And I want to just read this because this is the spring cleaning of our garments. And there is a, a change of garments which is according to the wedding of what you're married to in your spirit and your soul. So a lot of that stuff is going to get divorced. Okay, The world will get divorced from you. False Christianity, angels of light, false prophet, beast, red dragon. Your whole human nature, you've been married to it. There's a wedding vow to the human nature, which is 666 in the forehead. You have decided to be married to that, which is joined together. Okay? Oftentimes, when we're bewitched and deceived, we have added the human nature to our Christianity, which means you're joined together with the human nature. That ain't married to Jesus. That's married to the devil, and yet you're Christians. Truth anyhow. So we go from Revelation 18 to Revelation 19, just four verses here. Listen to this. Revelation 18, 23. Lamps will no longer shine anywhere in Babylon. The, and couples will never again say wedding vows there. Christians will never again be wedded to the world, to a worldly false spirit. Okay, There will be no more Babylonian weddings, and this is speaking to Christians now. Okay, No more Babylonian weddings. Now, Revelation 19, 7 says, After that is revealed and terminated by the spirits of the prophets, so we'll be glad and happy and give him praise. And the wedding day of the Lamb is here, and his bride is ready. When? Only when she's exposed to being married to all this false. So the wedding of the Lamb is after the exposure of what you're already married to, which is simply being married to your humanity. Okay? So now we expose everyone, every Christian, this is what circumcision of the heart is, revealing you're married to your humanity. What's circumcised? All your lower earthly 
humanity off of your spirit to be altogether new creature in heaven over the earth which was what will happen if you can receive the word and divorce the old Babylonian wedding of being married to the humanity that you are to have circumcised off of you. Revelation 19.9 Then the angel told me, put this in writing. God will bless everyone who is invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. The angel also said, these things that God has said are true. So the invitation now comes to marry another, which means to marry and be joined to a different nature. We've been married to our human nature. After the human nature is circumcised, which is the new covenant circumcision of heart, we're married to Jesus. And it's the internal, it's Christ, it's the realization of the glory. It's the full embracing of the God sperm genetics in our spirit man. It's the full embracing of what the Word can produce through a person joined to Jesus in their bellies, the womb where you birth sonship. Amen. The Bible says the soul is saved through birthing the divine child in Timothy. Your soul is only saved through birthing, travailing the divine nature from your spiritual stomachs. And you can't be saved in your soul any other way. Amen. Well, I got to share this. The Spirit had me pull this up right before, even before you started reading those uh, wedding ones. It's the a testimony. We had an eyewitness, um, our prophet or man of God, you know, Brother Shadrach. He was an eyewitness. You know, many people have been called up into heaven at different times or out of time or space or to specific events. And he, we had never told him the details or you know how this happened in the invisible realm but he had a divine encounter and that was just such confirmation the spirit told me to pull this up and read this and then you started reading those wedding verses so this is really powerful uh, okay so he was a witness as he said this is what he said to me uh, at this time he sent it to me last night I had a golden opportunity to rewatch your wedding you know my wedding with Apostle Brandon in heaven, right? Because unlike a traditional Babylonian wedding, you know, we didn't go to, you know, sign some kind of like a special thing or have, you know, a person do something. Literally, we were caught up into heaven and God is actually the one who married us in the invisible realm. We had our whole ceremony uh, in heaven. So, which is really nice because, you know, destiny. Kingdom right, destiny, age. kingdom age. A lot different than being married before. It's like, well, then it's like, should, well, should warlocks. I read? Should I read? Should I Which marry this person? Should I marry is. this person? It's more like, okay, well, God just married us, so <laughs> it's like, you know, it, it's like that. It's, it reminds me of the Old Testament where they, the parents pick out the the wife and they pick out, you know, the husband. It's an arranged marriage, right? So controlling. I want God in control of my life, right? So this is what he said. This is an eyewitness from Shadrach. Last night I had a golden opportunity to rewatch your wedding with Apostle Brandon in heaven. Oh my God, it was so beautiful, awesome, and glorious. Only angels sung and served no human. The worship was in a language I couldn't understand because I was amongst the very few people who were invited to witness. I remember so well there were very few people who were permitted to walk in the ceremony. 
because the rest were all angels. The number of people were seven. Seven only. I didn't know why seven, but still praying for more revelation on this. After the ceremony was over, and all the angels were dismissed, and the seven people who had an invitation to the wedding were again allowed to get into a room, and in this room there was only you and Apostle Brandon. It happened I was amongst this seven people. The six, you couldn't recognize their faces because they were all transformed or transfigured in the glory. So you lifted your hands and released blessing and welcomed Apostle Brandon. He just laughed uncontrollably and said, Thank you all. Our God the Father has given us love to take the nations, and each of you will be our representative and bring glory to the Father. He continued to say, You are blessed and blessed and blessed. This was the time the Father was waiting for. He laughed again uncontrollably, and it is there, and then the vision ended. Amen. Pretty cool. Amen. Mm -hmm. Revelation 21.2 Then I saw New Jerusalem, that holy city, coming down from God in heaven. It was like a bride dressed in her wedding gown and ready to meet her husband, fully married to Christ within. And you've changed all your garments from the old and the earthly to the new and the heavenly. We thank you for a people entirely heavenly that are not accursed under the laws of the earth, but are fulfilling the law through the grace of the Lord Jesus in heaven, accountable to the very throne of God and His angels. You have to go into the Spirit and follow the Spirit to fulfill the law. Otherwise, the law will grind you into powder. It will enslave you and destroy you. It's designed to keep you in animal form, and only through the angel form of your new creature can you ever rise above the curse of the law. So a lot of people, they refuse to change. Well, you just have to deal with the law then and it is a sovereign law for the animal but if you remove the animal you go into a different system of government the children of the kingdom are exempt Jesus Christ red letters which means you're in a different government it's higher accountability and it fulfills all the law but it's the beginning of tasting the heavenly government the heavenly Sanhedrin the people that have obeyed with all their spirit to be loyal in the new creature within that temple when they were surrounded by lawlessness in their earthen vessels. These are the overcomers. These are those that have chosen to be clothed in the new garments, to be married to another, divorced of the earthly, married into the heavenly. And now we're learning the heavenly rules and regulations of the angelic posts, which is the abilities of the sapphire stones, which is how to rule and reign with this new system that you learn by constantly obeying the leadership of the Holy Ghost with your inner man. Inner man gets brighter every time the inner man obeys the God that created it. And the God that created it will apply the blood when you have short fallings. If you're willing to repent, if you're willing to learn his new ways, he'll deal with you as with children, which means exceedingly patient beyond anything you can expect or imagine or pray for. 
God will always be a father to those who allow him to be. Notice he won't father anyone that refuses him to be their father, which is making the parental decisions of our lives, the choices of our spirit, soul, mind, and flesh. We come into parenting and we say, no, I'm the parent. You'll always be children and God will always be your parent if you allow him to parent you. And so we need to always be like Jesus, the child of God. Even at age 33, the apostles were saying in Acts, God's holy child Jesus, and through that name, heals you today. They were referring to the man who ascended to heaven, the Messiah, as a child in Acts. The church of Acts considered Jesus a mere child. Which means we need to consider ourselves children because we're younger than Jesus. He's our older brother. So we got some human stuff to deal with in our thinking patterns that are about as far off as it gets. It's mostly from a bad and an Apollyon discipling our thought life with hell instead of heaven. In heaven, you can't get older than 33 in maturity of your spirituality. So we, most of us, need to recognize and not beat ourselves up. It's not about demoting and beating yourself up. Oh, I'm just a little baby. It's not about that. It's about growing. And growing causes us to face reality of where our spirit's at and be excited about it like kids are. Kids are excited. This is all brand new to me. Yeah. Every day is an adventure. I'm learning new stuff. And it's exciting to grow when you get into the heavenly flow. When your spirit man is the one getting developed, you don't get stagnant. You don't get lukewarm. You don't get distracted. Because the top priority of that person is to be a child of God. So what is today about? Is it about work? Is it about family? Is it about <laughs> friends? Is it about Christianity? No! Today is about being a child and letting God be a father. Otherwise, it's not a successful day. The purpose in life is to be children. Your purpose in life is to be a child. And we are successful when we're children and God's our father fathering us today. So every day we wake up and say, what do you want to father me in? And just learn. And there'll be resistance and you just deal with all the junk in our hearts and our minds mm -hmm. that opposes being fathered by God. Because mm -hmm. what sin is, is allowing other stuff, external stuff to father us. Mm -hmm. And that's what leads to death as other fathers besides God. Amen. Kind of reminds me of like the little kid. You were seeing like the little kid was like, well, I'm the boss of myself today. So mm -hmm. you're not going to tell me what to do. And you're just going to like, mm, okay, we'll see how that goes for you. <laughs> when it's dinner time, guess who's going to be mom real fast? <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. God has, you know, family units for a reason so that we can learn from what we go through in the natural dimension. It's the same thing. Imagine yourself like that little kid and you're just telling your dad, well, I'm, I'm the boss of me now. I don't need you. Okay, well, who's going to shelter you and clothe you and take care of you and discipline you? You know, what that imagine that kid being fathered by Hollywood movies. Imagine that kid then getting fathered by schools who have that transgender, you know, LBGTQLMNOP agendas. I know how many, they got so many letters on the end now. <laughs> There's recently the latest thing is normalizing sociopaths. 
So, uh, well, they're real. So bad out there right now. <laughs> it's so but bad. Na- nowadays, instead of Rambo, they'd have Tranbo. Oh, man. <laughs> Tranbo. <laughs> That's really funny. But imagine, imagine the child, your inner child, being fathered by a holy father. Your father wants to father you and father your kids. And, and not Tranbo is not my father. Just yeah. type in the comments. Tranbo is not my father. You know, mo- most of you conservative <laughs> Christians, we we have values and we have morals, which is wonderful. And all mm-hmm. those will intensify as you grow in holiness. So we're not dealing with just the Sodom and Gomorrah stuff. We're dealing with the subtleties, mm-hmm. which are huge in the realm of the spirit. Things that seem small mm-hmm. to us now. They're often the little flies that spoil the ointment it is mm-hmm. written. So it's stuff that might seem small to you. God wants to put a magnifying glass on mm-hmm. it and get it big in your mind to get it burnt out of you. Because mm-hmm. those little flies are usually the things that are huge weights mm-hmm. in the invisible realm, yeah. keeping you tethered into yeah. the natural dimension. Right, which is earthbound, which means, why can't I go up? I'm trying to launch. It's not working. You might be earthbound to some sin. And like Brandon said, those little things, when you kind of zoom in, it's like, oh, that's a huge weight. Typically, the when you get the cleaned up on the outside, external Sodom and Gomorrah is not really a thing for you. You're past that. Typically, that white magic of religion is the Sodom in the Sodom and Gomorrah of the invisible realm that you're actively fornicating in. So it's covered with religion, looking good on the outside, yet fornicating with demons, and you're calloused in heart and in your not in your spiritual senses, so that you don't feel the sin or the conviction. And so when the Holy Spirit goes to unveil. Right, because he unveils the trash to clean it out so that Christ can then be unveiled in that area of your life. But sometimes first he'll just unveil the trash. Convicting of sin. And we want to say, oh no, it's my good Christianity. Understanding that Sodom and Gomorrah in the spirit realm, it's very real and it's almost always covered with the appearance and knowledge of good. So the more I feel and look holy and, well, what do you mean? every argument and debate. Why did God not let the snake debate in the garden? He let Adam give a response, right, when he was chastising them. He let Eve give a response. The snake, go back and read it. He didn't, he cut, he did not give him that same opportunity to speak. Why? Well, according to uh, Jewish sages, they say, or Jewish rabbis, they said it's because he, God understands the sneakiness, the craftiness of the snake he would just say, well, this and this and that and the other. It's a perfect sounding argument, but he's still wrong. He might say things that sound factual and true. And how much more would that have just messed up Adam and Eve from the state they're already in? So he didn't even give him a chance to speak, right? Don't even get that serpent a chance to speak. If God is showing you that what you think is good and holy about your looking good external, I don't do this, I'm not into Sodom and Gomorrah, You might be actively fornicating in the invisible realm, Sodom and Gomorrah, and calling it Christian brotherly love, agape, drunken glory. Uh, And it's also, it's very possible, because what Brandon's saying to you today, if you can lay hold of it, I can hear his spirit as he's teaching all night tonight. It's not about the external forms, it's about the internal change, that metamorphosis, which is cleaning you from the inside out. And it is possible... And we've seen this. You can literally 
read the Bible four to eight hours a day mm -hmm. and watch every Joel's bar and watch, you know, you watch all my videos and still end up in the black sun. How is that? Well, what, is it going to happen to me? It's not about just doing externally the correct thing. You can do all the right things while I watch all the Joel's bars. I say the prayers. I read the Bible more than anybody. I pray in tongues all the time. I don't do nothing wrong at work as best I can, and as soon as I do, I repent. How is it that you can end up in even worse than earthbound, which is cosmic unrighteousness? And so, and it's possible to be restored from that too. By the way, never give up hope, no matter how far off you've gotten. But understand that chastisement, that correction, if you can remain humble and teachable, then you can be brought back into the narrow path, no matter how far off you've gone. It's not about external forms. It's about internal obedience, metamorphosis, changing your human nature, divorced from the Babylonian satanic nature, from the curse of the fall, and married to the divine nature. And because the holiness of Jesus is so bright, when if there's anything off, it becomes extremely apparent that there's some off stuff, even if it looks like externally you're doing everything right. Mm -hmm. Because it'll be literally the brightness of the living one true God radiating Shekinah brightly with the nature and attributes through that body, your temple. And then your words will be like the oracle of God mm -hmm. all the time. So it's pretty obvious when it's just some kind of deception. <laughs> because when it's revelation and not deception, you got the fruit of the Garden of Eden, and you got the personality of the Father shining forth with all of His love and joy and peace and wisdom, and there's always a magnification of Christ's nature inside other believers' spirits. So it's not like a, some other thing going on that's a distraction. It's not a wet blanket. It, there's no deterioration of the Christian nature of Jesus Christ's name. His name is magnified in everyone that's the real deal. The cluster anointing. Two or three gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. One puts a thousand to flight. Two ten thousand. There's a multiplication when you are increasing in the same measurements of the same God. If it's another God and you're increasing in the one true God, it becomes so apparent. And that's why you grow together in communities. You grow together with companies. And this is a company of people growing together. It's an Enoch company. It's really a high priesthood celestial sonship company that is learning advanced righteousness to pioneer the kingdom age and to consume the earth with light and to really bring the floods of the second coming of Jesus Christ. So there's a lot going on here and there's a lot to learn. And what's the learning? In the eating. Daily bread. Which means I don't need to understand it all in my head. I just need to digest it into my spirit. And my spirit will renew my mind. If you're trying to figure it all out in your head, you're not really learning like a Christian. A Christian is one who's learning in their spirit through brightness from glory to glory. Which means a digestion of the daily prophetic word, the daily bread. God's word is always prophecy. God's word's always prophetic. If it's not prophetic, it's not even alive and it can't develop or grow your spirit. Just forget it. That's the devil coming out with a dead letter. Daily bread is always sapphire bread. 
It's prophetic living word that comes from the Father directly out of his person to feed his children. And he's the Father of spirits, which means it's the fathering of your spirit by eating the daily bread. You get brighter and brighter the more you're eating and well fed, which is the ability of the inner man to do the works of God, which will change all your behavior. It'll consume all of your time into the works of God, which will have awesome productivity, awesome prosperity, healing, freedom, abundant life, joy unspeakable, full of glory, peace. You'll have the protection of the canopy of the angel armies. You'll live under the, the wings of the Almighty. Thousand will fall by your side, ten thousand by your right hand, but it will not touch you. All when you're eating the bread of the kingdom, the prophetic word, and bearing its fruit and obeying what God is saying. In Jesus' name, I pray for all of your hearts, every one of your born-again spirits, to get hungrier for sapphire bread. Just big, hot, steaming loaves of sapphire food, living bread from God the Father, imparted directly into your spirit that your spirit would get stronger and brighter and challenge your souls from within your spiritual stomachs. Out of your bellies by eating your daily bread will come Shekinah fire and burn up your hearts from within and burn up your brains from within and burn up your bones from within and change you from the inside out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you Tuesday. Glory. Amen. If you'd like to support Red Letter Ministries, you can give an offering by clicking the links in the description. Father, bless everyone supporting this ministry. The Bible says that test me in finances and see that I will not pour out for you such a blessing that you can't even contain it. And God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. Glory.
Oh, sir.